Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour, and today is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's choosing to join us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over and over again, absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness and get access to a completely free and private app by tapping on the glowing heart icon that will show up before you're done typing the word forgiveness. That app contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It also contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it's been our experience that the more people actually apply these tools in their life, the better their lives get. The quality of life goes up exponentially. And secondarily, because the more people use these tools, the more it raises comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please give us a call at 563-999-3581. When you call that number and press 1, it will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll be able to turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. So, uh, 
we appreciate when people do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service. And if you will let us know how we can be a service, we appreciate it. It makes it far easier for us to step into that role of being of service. We're not, you're, you're literally giving us some guidance and we're not flying blind. So again, the call-in number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. Or if you're listening on the archives, or you just don't want to go live uh, with your conversation, we can uh, entertain your emails. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org, or you can email Jeannie at j-e-a-n-i-e at whyagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n.org. And once you get there, if we get those notices from you, we will address them as we can on the Internet show, and then as time allows, send you a notification about what day and time we were able to address your comment or question or testimonial, and you can listen back through the archives to hear the feedback. So, what's on your mind? How can we support you? How can we be of service today? Area code 610. Susan, I believe. Hi, Dr. Tim. You mentioned yesterday that ACEs... Good morning. ACEs study? Yeah. I looked at it and took it very short. And I was pleasantly surprised that I only picked one real category, and you can imagine which one it was, but there wasn't verbal abuse, there wasn't there wasn't a divorce. I had, from the, judging from this, I had a pretty good list. One, one box was ticked, and that was physical violence when we were small. And I've been thinking about that with my grandsons who had Particularly, my I mean, my my son's boys have been haven't had any of that. My <clears throat> daughter's former husband was abusive in physically and emotionally, verbally. Uh, I pretended I was them, and every box got ticked. And I just had another another level of appreciating how hard it has been for them to be well in there as they grow up. And then I was thinking about that section in the Sunbird book, Essay 24, Healing Trauma Through Feeling. And I wonder if if it would be okay, because it sounds as if healing can take place no matter how much trauma. Healing can take place if uh, if those things that Sunberg said are done, are followed through, I'm not sure that's true. I don't know whether I think one of the outcomes besides addiction, which is considered a mental illness in itself, but 
some illnesses, subsidiary illnesses can probably appear <clears throat> too along with the addiction. <clears throat> and I've had this feeling that I'm not sure one one of the three boys in particular will be okay. And this gives hope. Of course, I don't know how we, we could get the hope to him. And I can picture and visualize healing for him, but I'm I don't know how we could apply that essay, the things he said in that essay, to somebody who's as compromised as this one grandson. Well, let me just start by saying the first thing that popped into my head when you talked about that is uh, when you said, if you do all of these things, you can heal. And I wonder, is that true? <laughs> Probably absolutely true. And yet that's a huge if, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like saying, right. you know, if you work out every day with a very good personal trainer and eat all the right stuff and do it for three years, you're going to have a very different, healthier body at the end of it, right? <laughs> but those are three yeah. really big ifs. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, as I have read and listened to the stuff from Christian, it resonates very closely to what I've learned about trauma resolution over my years of study and people like Bessel van der Kolk and Peter Levine and Gabor Matei and people like that. And it's very much in alignment with it. It doesn't mean it's the same. It just means it's very much in alignment and there's probably a lot of good leverage people can get to feeling better if this work that Christian puts out there resonates with them and they decide to pursue it. One of the things we're warned... Go ahead. One of the things you're warned about? In my Alan group, it's always tempting to send podcasts and videos and written materials to the person we want to fix. So I've thought of, of course, I've thought of sending this essay to the grandson who's most, seems most in trouble, and yet I don't do it because he's going to have to find this on his own. I mean, where do you step in? That's another question. But anyway, what were you going to say? Well, in in addressing that, I, I would say that what we've always said in this work, the best way I can help other people is to help myself, is to actually find what I can do to make my life more joyful, to get my traumas resolved, to take closer and closer to 100% responsibility for the emotions that I generate and experience. And that is far and away more beneficial to everyone I know, and especially my family members, than any level of preaching. And this would fall into the category of preaching. Well, any anything like, you know, I mean, unless they've asked me because they see uh, tremendous shifts or benefits that I'm getting from whatever work I'm doing and they say, gee, Tim, how are you doing that? 
and then I can share mm. with them whatever I've been mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. But anything other than that, me saying, oh, look how great I am, you should try this too, is preaching or, you know, trying to teach. Okay. Yeah. It's not living by example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's awfully late for those grand boys as far as a grandparent's influence. I got started on this work really late. They didn't get, I don't even think they know if I'm in good shape or not, if I've done my work or not. I don't think that right, registers right. That, with it. But that, that, <laughs> what you're talking about there is at the very concrete physical level. Gee, mm-hmm. they aren't even around me that much. I live in X, Y, or Z county or state, and they live in A, B, or C county or state, you know, tens or hundreds or thousands of miles away. And if we were just physical beings and nothing else, I'd say, yep, that's right, not much you can do there. But we understand that we are energetically and emotionally connected to everybody in our family, everybody everywhere, but even more strongly to the people in our family. And I, you know, I, mm. I gave an example of this the other day. Michael gives a number of examples of these uh, instances as he talks about people doing their work in the intensives, etc. And somebody's doing work on a relationship that's been estranged for seven years or 15 years or 119 years, whatever it is, and they have a deep breath session or they do a deep mind shifter and then some worksheets on the stuff that got stirred up by the mind shifter. And within anywhere from minutes to hours to a day or two after that, they out of the blue, they hear from the person that they've been estranged from Mm. for an extended period of time. Wow. Yeah, I know that can happen. Yeah, it does happen. I mean, it happened just the the last time I did a worksheet on the Internet show was about a patient that sent me a note that said, you have abandoned me and I'm I'm deeply disappointed and I sure hope you don't do this to anybody else. And I did the worksheet on it on the Internet. And I did the worksheet on it on the Internet show. And the next day, and I, you know, as I read the tone of that text, I imagined I won't hear from this person again. And the next day after I'd done that worksheet on the show, there was a text from that patient, condolences on the loss of my mother or whatever. Now, Is that magical? No, that's just the way these things work. If I sit with negative, bitter, angry, hurt, scared, depressed energy in my mind, and I think it's about this other person or my relationship with another person, that colors, that flavors, that taints or expresses through my relationship with that person, whether I'm living next door to them, in the same house with them, or thousands of miles away. Mm. It's not what our culture teaches, but it is what we observe over and over again when we start working with spiritual work. And as Guy Finley says, there is nothing more practical than true spirituality. 
because this literally can and often does change the interaction of energy, communication, and physical interaction in our relationships when we do our work. So I just I hope we're getting the point across that when you say, well, yeah. I'm the grandparent and it's so, you know, I'm I'm so distant from them and they haven't had it it doesn't really relate to what we're describing here. Energetically, you're still connected to those boys and everybody else in your family and every bit of work you do. The Course in Miracles has a line that says, millions of people yet unborn will benefit from the work you do here today. Another line in the Course in Miracles says, when you heal, you are never healed alone. Mm. Good to remember, good to be reminded. The, that, that essay says it can take years, decades, even lifetimes to heal certain old wounds. But when you truly commit to understanding that process, the powers of the higher realms themselves come to your aid. Now, this is all relating to the person who's reading and doing the work, but those powers can spread out to, is what you're saying. They're available. They help globally. Well, and... And as you help yourself, the energetic shift in you impacts, influences everybody everybody around you, especially those that you have a very strong connection to who are in your family. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that that heals them, some miraculous thing. It does, one of the ways they talk about it is, you know, Yeshua was reported to have said, I've flung a door open that can't be closed, right? So, mm-hmm. okay, that's that's one way people talk about it. But if there's an open door, every individual has their own choice to make about whether or not they walk through that door. Michael Rice talks about opening an energetic window for everybody in my bloodline as I do my work. So whether you think of it as an open door or an open window, the other people involved have to make their own choice. And if you think of them as sovereign entities, just like you think that you have the right to live your life a certain way, etc., if you quit thinking of them from any perspective that would be infantilizing, treating them as though they're an infant and they have no control and they're an innocent victim, etc., then it, it makes it easier to, to step back and send them blessings knowing it's not your life to live, that the choices mm-hmm. they make are not yours to make. And yet, every time they make a choice and you're in the vicinity and you know about it or you're impacted one way or another, you have your own choices to make about how to respond. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> So the admonition would be, please, 
because it's the only thing you can have any impact on, stay focused on your own behavior and taking greater and greater responsibility for all of the emotions that you generate and, you know, choose wisely about where and when and how often you're going to apply the tools as opposed to get buffeted around by those energies and think they're being caused by someone or something outside of you. Right. Well, thanks. That little bit that you read or that you quoted from his uh, chapter 24 is one of the reasons that I... You know, I resonate with this work because he doesn't say, do this, do that, and magically you're going to get cured in an instant. He recognizes the great intensity of these energies that we've become ensnared in and how it may take a long time to resolve them. It takes the commitment, Mm. it takes the willingness, it takes the persistent application of that willingness to feel and work through these things. So that's all part of why I agree with what he says here. Yeah. He's not offering some magic wand. Right. Well, he admits that he himself, even the fact that he allowed his and asked for this particular incarnation on the planet, he talks about, he alludes to possible what I thought might have been a a stint of mental illness and some dark, dark times. I assume he's talking about those dark times in this present incarnation on the planet. Um, I forget where that was. Well, but he's he's talked about that, you know, he had serious physical problems. Right. And that, you know, that was uh, lots and lots of pain and discomfort and a sense of hopelessness. And so I'm, I'm sure that's probably what he's referring to. Yeah. Well, it sounded as if there were some emotional problems, too. Maybe I'm wrong. It doesn't matter, really. He had to struggle in any case. You know, he doesn't live very far from us here in Allentown. He lives in Erie, Pennsylvania. I've had fantasies of writing him and saying, hey, how about a visit? <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? haven't had the nerve towards, to do that. But. Towards, towards what end? What would you like to get from him that you can't find in yourself? Good question. Some kind of magic infusion if I were in physical <laughs> proximity. <laughs> yep. There yep. you go. There's that seeking there outside the self. There you go. Mm-hmm. There is that seeking outside the self. Yep. All right. Caught red-handed. And it's okay. It's just, you know, we're not saying that's bad or that's wrong. What we're saying is please notice that that's what you're doing. Okay. And then you can I notice. Then you 
then, then you can consciously decide how much of your precious mental, emotional energy you want to expend on that. Yeah. Knowing that every bit of it is futile. Right? You, if you say you want shift or change, that will not bring shift or change. Mm-hmm. And that's all. I don't, it's not like everything I do is uh, every minute of every day, all I'm doing is personal growth and working to get my body healthier. You know, I do things just for relaxation and enjoyment. And if that's some mm-hmm. of, something that you would just find entertaining and you want to go visit him or you think, oh, this would be great, and I'd like to just be in that guy's energy for a while, go right ahead. As long as you recognize that behind that and the very impulse and urge within you is most likely one of those I'm seeking outside of myself for that which can only come from within. Yep. And so, you know, I consider it, you know, I'm taking a break from doing my work and I'm going to visit a guru. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to visit a guru to do my work because that is a distraction from my work. Thanks for saying that. That helps me recenter. Very easy to get off center. So which part helps you to recenter? The permission to go ahead and do it anyway or the recognition that... (laughs) It's trying to find something outside of yourself that can only be produced inside you. Well, that one, and the fact is, going to Erie seems like a schlep, but I thought maybe I ought to do it because there might be something special out there that would happen, which means, I mean, you pointed out it could happen right here. That's very nice. I'm just agoraphobic enough to want to stay home anyway. So in a way, I've got permission <laughs> and I could have gotten that hey. by myself too. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> that's, mm. that's where it's truly coming from when you get it anyway. <laughs> right. Right. Because because mm-hmm. listen, look at what happened when you you reached the third section of the book and these questions. Um, you started getting triggered, and you were considering putting the whole book down, throwing it away, and thinking he, yeah. you know. So you're decision to stay with it, your permission to stay home, your permission to visit Christian, whatever, it's all coming from inside you anyway. You are making Mm -hmm. choices every moment, every day that are creating your experience of life. That's what we were working on and massaging so strongly throughout the Way of Mastery lessons last year. Because it is so useful to do that because we live in a culture that says basically the opposite and that does not alert us to that process and, and help us turn the focus inside to that process. So we like to remind ourselves of that and like to refocus our energy into the only direction where it can have any positive impact and into the area where it's creating most of our negative experience. So we have the choice to shift. 
And as Diedrich Wolzak would say, choose again. Mm. Last night we revisited the, uh, the the comment, the statement, the observation in the lesson nine of the way of mastery that says all events are neutral. And um, somebody brought in uh, one of the more, if not the most, rough and confrontational Abraham hot seat conversations mm. that I've ever witnessed, that I've ever seen. And this was a gentleman who was so upset, so agitated, that he refused to take his hat off. He sat with his baseball cap on, hiding his face, his head pointed down. He had a a list of things that were wrong with the world that he was reading from. And, um, you know, he had had the red baseball cap on. And, uh, And basically, you know, Abraham said, so can you tip your hat up a little bit so we can see you? And he said, I I don't want to be videotaped, and your crew insisted on videotaping me, and I don't want that. And So Abraham said, well, we don't need to videotape you. I just want to see you. So Abraham sat down on the edge of the stage to be at his level and said, Mm. you know, take the cameras off of him. So then they just shot him from the back so they could see Mm. Abraham when he was talking. And this guy just, he went back to the six million Jews that died in the Holocaust and the Rwandan genocide and the big corporations that's all the greed and all of the people suffering in the world. And he just hammered it, right, Like 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 a... a team of construction workers, each with their jackhammers. He was just pounding away. And Abraham said, you know, this is one of the most eloquent and well-rehearsed and accurate pictures of the, the stuff that's not going well on your planet that we've ever heard. So congratulations. We align with that. We understand that. We're not trying to change your position or your perspective. And what you focus on while all of that is happening and the way you focus your mind energy on it is what is going to create your experience of life and bring your attention back to that more and more often so that you experience it again and again and again. And at one point she even said, he even said, they even said, however you want to talk about Abraham. When Jerry, Esther's wife, would do the same thing, he would talk about how these people are living in hunger and they've had this hurricane come through and they're homeless and it's, it's misery, it's suffering. And, and Abraham said to him, we agree with what you're saying. We know this is actually happening And we want you to understand those people are not suffering as they go through this. They are not suffering as much as you are sitting here thinking about their suffering and wanting to do something about it and being powerless to change it. That you're generating 
more negative emotional experience in this moment than the people who are actually going through the experience. And as I said, it's one of the more powerful or the more intense hot seat Abraham rant talks, whatever you want to call it, that I've ever seen. Did the guy relax? Well, you know, it was so powerful because he stayed at this high pitch as long as he was reading from his list. Yeah. And every time Abraham would say, we're not going to try and change your mind about that. That's all real. And we want to validate what you're creating as your feeling related to that. And we're Mm. going to say, you know, this means you're a very sensitive person who really, really wants everybody to be living a healthy life and a joyful life, and this is all good news about you. And every time Abraham would say something like that, you could see him soften and lose some intensity. Mm. And then he would try and get himself ramped back up. But he never got back to the level of intensity that he was in the very beginning. And Abraham said to him, Mm. this is the most well-thought-out, eloquent presentation of this position that we've ever heard. And we want to acknowledge you for that. And then it would it would decrease some of his energy a little bit, and then he would try and ramp it back up. And then Abraham would make a point about the law of attraction. He said, I understand that. I believe that. I've seen that in my life. My point is, and he would try and ramp back up in the other direction. The, the, Abraham stayed very very clear about Mm -hmm. exactly the same kind of thing that that we were talking about on the show last Wednesday with Doug, on this show last Wednesday with Doug. As a matter of fact, that's what we listened to in the second half of the group last night because the Abraham talk was only maybe 20 minutes with that gentleman Mm. in the hot seat. And then we went back and listened to the the intro I did about that came from Tuesday night's group and then got carried over into the show and my my intro on Wednesday and then Doug calling in about how all events are neutral but that doesn't mean we sit and do nothing and that whole discussion and at the very end mm-hmm. of it and this is what in, to, to my eye and ear this is what signaled the end of it Abraham would have stayed with him and kept going, except he finally deflated enough when he finally came out and said, and of course, I've just been through a divorce, and so that may be fueling some of this. (laughs) And And it doesn't change the actuality of what these life events are that he's going back through history and looking at and what's going on today. It does drive the negative emotional state that he's generating. Mm. And and when he said that, his energy shifted again. And that, right after that, is when Abraham said this. And, and they'd already gone like 15 minutes past the time when they were scheduled to have a break because Abraham wasn't mm. going to abandon this this guy with his intensity.
So, you know, again, um, to review this, if you weren't here last Wednesday, you can go and listen to the archive from last Wednesday's show and have even more of a discussion about how could it be that all events are neutral and what is the meaning of that great spiritual teaching and how can I use that to my advantage as I'm awakening to the realization that I create my experience of life each moment. Mm. And I'm frequently creating an experience of life that is far less pleasing and far less positive than I want it to be. Mm. Yeah, I do remember that show. I think I even talked on it for a second. Not sure. Yeah, yeah, you you called in as... Probably the last ten minutes or so. Yeah. And you were bringing in the point that you know you said I, I don't know if you want to hear this, Doug, but Christian Sondheim Sonberg says that uh, there is good rather than there's no good or evil or we only create our problems when we judge good and evil. And Christian says there is good, and we're here to. Increase the good by getting through the stuff that isn't so good and learning to hold the loving space in the face of it. And we're kind of building for, uh, um, we're building our capacity to experience life more lovingly. And, you know, so in the non-physical, when we return, there's even more bliss. Mm -hmm. Remember 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 how you were saying that? Yeah, I remember it. He said, so you are saying it's good. Something is, you are saying there's good and bad, and it's not neutral. And I was trying to say that there's a, an, like a hammock under the whole thing, which makes it all, I don't know if you want to put the word good on, but it is experience that leads us to, I don't like the word enlightenment either, but... <clears throat> I didn't mean to well, just bring it back to good. Yeah. Right, but that the idea is, and what I said in the show was that please don't get hung up on the words good, bad, etc., because all of this stuff goes way beyond words. Right. Each new heartbeat. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and the life, the experience of life, the energetic experience of having consciousness without a physical body, all of that stuff cannot be expressed in words or any kind of language. And so we are just pointing at the moon, so to speak. Right? Our our words about life are not the same as life itself. Krishnamurti would hammer that over and over again. The word is not the thing. A word is a symbol of a symbol. So uh, I think uh, Magda has her hand up. I'm not sure. 828, Magda, is that you? Yeah, it is me. This is a great discussion. I'm just so very much appreciating it. Um, And I'm wondering, I would love to hear uh, the recording that you were just talking about, the Abraham recording. Is is your meeting from last night uh, recorded somewhere that I could... Dial in. 
Well, I could um, make it available on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website. So um, with your request, I will see if I can make the time to do that in the next day or two. And well, you um, didn't say which Abraham thing it was. Well, and that's the thing, is I don't quite know how to locate. I was given this not as a link in YouTube, which I could then just, you know, post right. in the show or whatever. I was given this on a thumb drive. Oh. And oh, so it isn't, it isn't that it uh, shows up. So let's see if I open it up. It's, it's, it's labeled the biggest missing piece, and I don't know if that would help you find it on YouTube if you're searching for an Abraham talk. But okay. on this thumb drive, it's labeled as the, the biggest missing piece, P-I-E-C-E. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Um, I was hoping that I could hear you an entire um, meeting last night with the what happened well, before. Well, like I said, with that we... request, I, I will see if I can I get it. that up there. And, of course, it's just the – uh, did you find it, Susan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's called As the you... – and you see the guy with the, the hat. The, the oh. reddish <laughs> pink hat. Right. Okay. The biggest missing piece. Lovely. Magda, Thank you. I'm sending it to you right now. Are you sending it uh, via, via email or text? Yep. Which one? Email or text? Email. Okay, great. Thank you. I will look for it. All right. All right. Thank you so much. And again, Dr. Kim, if you can get the whole show on on the, <clears throat> on your website, I would. Very much appreciate hearing that too. So, woohoo! It's great. I'm I was just I'm just traveling home, and I just got home. As a matter of fact, um, so perhaps I should park the car <laughs> and get out. So I will I will drop off and let you continue your conversation. Thanks again, button you guys. <laughs> okay, You're very welcome problems, and deserving. Mom. And that's a 23, almost 24-minute talk, and it does show up if you search YouTube for The Biggest Missing Piece, Esther, E-S-T-H-E-R. Okay. Right. Great. I will do that. And when I get to it, I will uh, upload, um, I'll just edit out the stuff where it's group members just saying hello and talking about their week and prattling on about other things, but... Include the uh, the 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 rest of the whatever's left of the two and a half hours from the group, and I'll post it right. as I have others. It'll be on the uh, audio file page, and it'll have yesterday's date. It'll say Mind Shifter Support Group with yesterday's date, and it's an audio, not a video. Yeah, it'll it'll just be a the audio because when when we're doing an audio or an Abraham thing, 
everybody in the group just turns into these tiny little thumbnails anyway. So, and and when I was right. replaying the audio from the show last Wednesday, there's nothing on the screen but an audio player. So there's really nothing to see visually. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. Um, what time is your What time is your um, your group meeting on Tuesdays? Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's six thirty to nine p.m. Central. Yeah. Problem. I have a meditation starting at seven fifteen. So that. On Tuesdays, so that doesn't work out at all. Um, yeah, that's okay. the problem is people that do this kind of work, they also do other stuff. They have a life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they can't always be on yeah, the internet show, and they can't always be on the support group. And if I ever got a life, that would happen. We would have to just stop the group. <laughs> oh no! Don't, you can't have a life. <laughs> <laughs> no, you must not have a life because we need your life to be for us. <laughs> oh no, that was terrible. Okay. <laughs> All right. Be well. Let's Drive safely, you guys. Okay. Thank you. How cool. So, looking at the switchboard. Susan, any other comments before I turn on another person here or the microphone for another person? Oh, go ahead and turn on the microphone. It's our uh, compatriot from out west, Celinda, unless I'm missing my guest. No, I think you guessed absolutely correctly. (laughs) Um, I had a couple of thoughts that came through when uh, you were talking with Susan, you and Susan were talking. And one, when you were talking about good and evil and uh, about this world is the world of duality, I've noticed that I can get a lot more mileage uh, out of myself if I reframe good and evil into ripe and unripe or overripe and rotten the way that um, I think Dale Allen Hoffman mentions it and also... uh, um, one of his teachers apparently was Neil Douglas Klotz. That's where I first heard it. The rightness and the unrightness or good enough um, when, he, when the creator proclaimed the creation, one of the definitions he gave, it's ripe. And another one he gave was good enough for now. So I thought I'd share that in case that's helpful for anybody. That's good. That's uh, uh, Michael Rice. Because of people like Dale Allen Hoffman and because of the team of Aramaic scholars that were busy working to translate the Kaboris manuscript, Michael would frequently talk years ago about how the word evil that that we've you know whatever it is in the ancient Aramaic has been translated into Greek and then Latin and English etc as evil in the ancient Aramaic that word meant unripe that was one of the meanings for that word and as so often happened even in our culture there's more than one meaning for the word right so 
evil meant unripe. Evil also meant if you're shooting an arrow at a target and you miss the bullseye but you hit the target, the scorekeeper would yell sin, meaning you're off the mark, adjust and, and try again. But if you missed the target altogether, they would yell evil. So that's another meaning for the word evil is either unripe or way off target. And so not um, this external force from a devil or from somebody who's cursed you or whatever, some uh, non-physical entity that is taking possession of you, but just energy that's off the mark, significantly off the mark. And, of course, when you get into people like, you know, Neil Douglas Klotz and other people who have studied the Aramaic and tried to bring that into our culture's awareness, there are, are all kinds of nuanced differences around a word like evil or sin. But that's the essence of it. And I think the best use of that for my energy is to add to the reason, to the 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 um, uh, the rationale for dismantling blame and guilt at every level, because it's all just life in the flow. It's all just energy, and I don't benefit by labeling it good or bad, right or wrong, evil or, or, you know, holy or whatever. I do benefit by having my eyes open in the moment and living by direct observation, letting the truth of life act on me. Thoughts? Comments? Reactions? Yes. Uh, yes. I was thinking as you were talking, we've talked a lot about don't use language as a foundation for your faith because language is simply a symbol of how people um, interpret what those sounds mean. And you have the collective interpretation, the, and you have the individual interpretation from the past life experiences. Uh, also, I've had it really brought home to me because when I was in college, I studied Russian and I also studied Spanish. Those were my major, my major was Russian, Spanish, minor. And in the 50 years since, in which I've forgotten almost everything, I've decided to get on the Duolingo and relearn my Spanish and my Russian. I'm amazed in that 50-some years since I was involved with the languages that um, the meanings aren't even the same anymore. They're the same words. That just in 50 years, the language has evolved to have different meanings. 
and it's really brought home to me how I better, I could uh, really pay attention to how concretized I get my definitions and my interpretations of what a word means, and when do I have the structure I need to understand and communicate, and when do I enter into a closed system where all of a sudden those words are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, according to my interpretation. So I thought I'd share that also. Very good. And then uh, I would love to read a Rumi poem, which um, references or uh, your conversation with Susan, you and you and Susan, you too, um, about open doors or open windows that you had today. May I read it? It's not long. Sure. <laughs> uh, it's Rumi's poem, Don't Go Back to Sleep. The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. You must ask for what you really want. Don't go back to sleep. People are going back and forth across the door sill where the two worlds touch. The door is round and open. Don't go back to sleep. And I'm just now beginning to get some sort of inkling on what is this, what is he talking about? (laughs) So thank you for that. You're quite welcome and deserving. And that's all. I'm complete for this moment. A happy little... All right. (laughs) All righty. Well, I will mute you so you can listen in to the second hour. Susan, did that spark anything for you to add to comments or statements or observations in the last five minutes? Nope. Um... Fine. I did have. Um, is is uh, the Michael Rice Hour live today? <clears throat> it seems like it will be. Okay. Jeannie is on the switchboard, um, and and uh, I haven't had a request to play anything else. But you never know. They have busy lives going with family, so right. But she yeah. is here. I think they. Will, I'll probably do a live session. Yeah, okay. Is there a particular reason you ask? Um, well, I never know who I should ask physical things. I have a long COVID symptom of itching, and I've talked about that before. Um, and I just wanted to sort of get a, a re, a, another look at it. Um, Michael, being a nutritionist, I thought he might understand more but there's always the attitude about it i think okay i have this thing i know where it came from superficially i also hear sunberg saying that we're living in a world of illusion and having the illusion of itch all you know arms will itch one day back will itch one day it's like a traveling band of marauders sometimes it's my feet um and it's just the most amazing thing uh, I need to talk to a cosmic dermatologist, I think. But anyway, I just, I don't know what to do about it, except wait it out and trust that it's going to go away. 
the dermatologist said it would last from three days to six months. It's been two months. <laughs> and well, I'm sick that's of it. a pretty big window, so. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm sick of it, too. So um, it's just it's curious. And, of course, I, I wonder, you know, what am I doing to foster this itch? What? What messages? I mean, my mind's all over the place with it, and sometimes I don't think about it much. But if you have any thoughts on such a weird thing on your show, I would love to hear. Well, the the first thought is that Michael loves talking about that physical stuff with his training in naturopathic medicine and, and his fascination with the physical and the energetic. So, you know, that's probably where you're going to get your best uh, input about anything that might that you might do related to that at a physical level. Um, mm-hmm. And the other, the, the other mm-hmm. level of it is always for us, we're always creating layers of mental, emotional experience on top of whatever the actual energy is in our physical energy system, in the world around us, etc. So I mm-hmm. used to talk about how yeah. I had a... Um, I had a, a situation where I snapped my ankle in half um, back in uh, when I was 44 or 45 years old playing roller hockey in the men's league. And and it took quite a while for it to heal. And it was before I learned anything about the neuroemotional technique or NET tapping and whatever. And, and then... I, I learned the neuroemotional technique and practiced it for a few years, and then I learned EFT tapping. And then one night, I tripped on a blanket and broke and separated my toe on the other foot. And I used the EFT tapping to go through that with, like, basically no pain meds and minimal bleeding and all kinds of stuff. The, 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 the first check-in with the doctor after he you know, extended the tendon and shortened the bone in the in the toe and all of that within surgery. The next time I talked to him, he goes, wow, you're a fast healer. And I said, well, I never have been. Remember my ankle just a few years ago? And he goes, oh, yeah, that's right. But because I was doing the mental-emotional work, the EFT tapping, the NET process, which is almost identical to Michael Rice's worksheet process, I was dissipating lots and lots of negative emotional energy. Oh, you're such an mm-hmm. idiot. You're too old to be playing roller hockey. What if you'd gotten, <laughs> you know, a concussion and you couldn't be here for your sons? And I was laying there in a state where I was supposed to be recovering and healing physically, but spinning negatively. And my physical yeah. recovery was slow and laborious. A few years right. later, I had another bone to heal, another tendon, another, and I I tapped EFT rounds of tapping. I had people do NET on me once or twice a week, and it healed like I was 20 years younger. So that's what I would offer is, is the mental, emotional, you know, all of the angst and all of the I don't want this energy that you've got, all of the this is bad or wrong, all of the thoughts, what am I doing to cause this? Every mm-hmm. bit of that 
you can put aside and breathe and soften and return to calm will benefit your healing process because that energy is then available to be used by your system to realign things and integrate things and heal things. It's not available for that if you're using it to generate negativity. So that's my input. Good. Thanks. That's right. great input. All right. Blessings. I will mute you so you can listen to the second hour. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of this stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. I appreciate you, and thank you for playing shows on last minute's notice. You're very welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show. Thank you. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of MindShifters Radio. And today is Wednesday, March the 29th, 2023. And their call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you in the queue to talk to us. We'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. Susan, I'm going to turn your microphone back on. While you were talking to Dr. Tim there, I was doing some searching online and it apparently um, skin rashes and all are typical um, long COVID, uh, I don't know if you'd call it side effects or lingering symptoms or whatever. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it looks like they give a, a range anywhere, just like you said, you know, from a few days to several months. And yeah. um, it said, you know, some of it could appear swollen or puffy and some's just itchy and some's you know, it depends if it's uh, the kind of skin you have that some of it can color to a, a dark or an ashy gray or a brown or even purple. So it looks like it's just, you know, <laughs> all over the board. I know, it is. Some days I'll have a rash across my chest um, and, and then it'll go away, but the itch doesn't go away. It travels, though. I'm fascinated. I'm really fascinated. It feels and the itch is deep. It doesn't feel superficial, although right. you know. And I can, I can scratch somewhere that's not itching, and the desire to continue scratching—it's like it flares <laughs> up. Oh, you're going to scratch here? Great, because I really itch here. I can <laughs> introduce. I mean, it's the weirdest thing. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm. I'm perfectly, I feel great, and I'm walking, and I'm teaching, and I'm doing my stuff, but this thing is going on, and I had a very mild case of COVID itself, but this little visitor showed up after, and I went to the dermatologist, and that's what he said. He said, oh, no, not another one, and I said, what? He says, we've been seeing this after COVID. How long ago did you have COVID? Well, I got better about two weeks ago. He said, there you go. This is what you get. I have no good news for you. He gave me a cortisone cream, and he, I used it for a little while, but I don't want to do that because there are side effects right. to that. So I, I, and it was expensive, too, but I have a whole tube of right. it left. Um, so anyway, I was curious. Some people, and here again, it's like, you know, um, drugs, but some people um, online here are saying, you know, like antihistamines help or whatever. Uh, one of the things, and it wasn't a COVID because Aria didn't have COVID, but um, she 
a few several weeks ago had developed a rash on her hands and she would dig mm-hmm. and dig and dig at them like you know and one yeah. of the things that we found that helped more than anything was I took cold wet wash rags and wrapped her hands mm-hmm. and the the cool you know compress or whatever seemed to help it um, we tried oatmeal mm-hmm. baths and and several different things you know and it, it didn't seem to help it but the coolness yeah. seemed to make the itch stop I don't know but it's all over your body you'd have to get in a cold bathtub or <laughs> I don't know what no you'd thanks. do there <laughs> maybe in the summertime I would do that but I hate being cold no it really yeah. is just I'm observing it and thinking wow what what is this but right. um, of course you wonder you know what have I been doing what am I itching about in my psyche and all this Right. I don't know. I don't know what to yeah. make of it. Well, Michael's joined us. Maybe he has another comment. <laughs> okay. Hello, Michael. Physiology is irritated? Yeah. Ouch. Well, you know, when you look at the whole idea of a uh, a healing crisis, remembering that whatever energy goes into the system on the way back out, it's going to look the same as it did on the way in. Mm-hmm. If you deal with this physical set of symptoms, the same as you would with, let's say, if you found yourself, like from experience, you found yourself going through many layers of depression, and when you were able to do the work and be with it, the depression disappeared and lightened, 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 lessened, lessened, lessened over the last three or four years. It's compared to where it used to be for you, as I understand it, it's, would that it be is. accurate? Okay. That is accurate. So my off- it seems miraculous. Yeah, it is. So my offering would be, now you're dealing with something that your body's processing through on a physiological level. And mm-hmm. if you can say to yourself, remember we've said before, four things that determine whether you're in a healing crisis or not. One, you mm-hmm. ask yourself, have I been doing more and more of the right things? Two, mm-hmm. Had I hit a new level of vitality, before this set of symptoms occurred, had you hit a new state of being, a new clarity, a new aliveness, a new, I went to bed at night just feeling great? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could say yes. There's a yes to that. Okay. So, and then the third question, what's happening with elimination? Obviously, elimination is increasing. Your physiology is doing is finding the best pathway it can to process this energy out. Wow. So that would be a yes. And then the fourth one would be, and this may or may not come to from into cognitive awareness, the fourth question is, am I craving the drug I used to use whenever whatever it is that I'm going through that I used to use in order to suppress this? So it might be, you know, some kind of a, a food craving or maybe, you know, I don't know if there was ever a time you did alcohol or maybe you're on prescription medication. Or is, it, is there a part of you that goes, this is happening and I want this? Yeah, sugar. And I'm off of it. Uh, but I have your answer. think about how, yeah, but what the heck? I've been off sugar for a long time. But there it is and, again. And, and, and now you've come to a level of vitality where your structure can process through 
whatever that was used to suppress. No, I, I think I've shared before. Again, I have I shared before. Read a text. Okay. Jeannie just texted, texted me, and so I read it, and I didn't listen to what you said, what you just okay. said. So I'm saying that your body, your structure, your energy field, as an energy field, not a body, has come to a level of vitality. Yes, you quit sugar a long time ago, and, you know, maybe it's taken from whatever that time frame was for your structure, you know, like, for instance, if you're overloading the um, the pancreas with sugar, excess insulin, body becomes insulin resistant, the insulin can't get into the cells. So the cells will put up a block because too much insulin in the cell creates damage. So maybe, you know, you gave up sugar a year ago, and maybe it's taken a year for your cells to let go of the insulin resistance and allow that insulin back in for the cell to function more, more uh, efficiently. And now functioning more efficiently, the cells that have made that shift with you over the last year are now throwing off a toxicity that had accumulated that that you, you couldn't handle while you were under fire from insulin. So it might have taken a year for that. You know, if that's the drug that's involved, it might have taken a year, if it was a year ago that you quit, for your structure to be able to put the ducks in a row to go, okay, now we're ready for a leap in vitality. Mm. So now we're going to go through this layer. And I'm going to, and so if I'm in depression, if I'm in anger, if I'm in fear, what, what's the, uh, the, the, one of the main things we suggest you go for? The cosmic grease, right? And what's yeah. the cosmic grease? Willingness. So if I go into resistance to my body doing this release process, and, and I'm, I say this from experience, uh, way back in the early days of doing this work, you know, my history was lung infections. Uh, when I was a kid or at birth, they told my father I wasn't going to make it through the night. Said he better get down that. there to see his son if he wanted to see me alive. The early years of school, I was always in school, or pardon me, in a hospital, an oxygen tent, rather than the first week or two of school. I can remember wow. I was in fourth grade. I, like, I remember this like it was yesterday. I was in fourth grade. Miss McGuire was my teacher. And I couldn't breathe. I'm in the back of the classroom, and I stand up to, to say, I, I, and I fell over. I just passed out and rushed to the hospital, uh-huh. and here I'm in an oxygen tent. So my lungs took quite a, a whipping. I mean, they had me on drugs to suppress, you know, inhalator. I mean, I didn't go anywhere when I was. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. I had an inhaler in my pocket everywhere that I went, and I used it a lot. Which, man, I assaulted my lungs with something that helped me to breathe but didn't help my lungs to heal. So in the early days of doing this work, now I'm in Fort Lauderdale. I've got a friend there. Actually, you heard us talk about him about a year ago. He passed away, a fellow named Steve. Uh, Paskowski, who's a construction uh, guy, did, did big construction projects and was a, I did his wedding ceremony for him. I mean, they were dear friends when we were down there. We stayed with them. And in these early days, I'm doing, you know, once a week in Fort Lauderdale, I'm doing a, uh, a Course in Miracles class. And they were at that, I was there about seven years, and they were there every week. And we were really close friends. At one point, I'm doing some detoxifying physiologically and two red rashes about the size of a silver dollar 
one on each of my cheeks appeared. Wow. And it was about the time, you know, I had been doing things locally in Fort Lauderdale. And Lauderdale was, a, you know, was and is a city where there are a lot of people in and out, a lot of tourists. And so I would have people who would go back home and say, hey, we're in one of the first, actually the first city I went to out of uh, Fort Lauderdale, an invitation was someone had been in the classes from Lansing, Michigan, and invited, invited me to go to Lansing. And so I was just starting to do that, so I had several invitations. I've got these two red running sores, and I mean, they're glaring. My friend Steve says, Michael, you need to do something about that. That's not healthy. And it's like, well, you know, my best understanding at this point, Steve, is that my body is releasing what needs to be released and these are reflex points from my lungs and so it makes sense to me that my lungs are going through this healing process i had another friend his name was sam and he had a friend that was a doctor that was a a uh, skin doctor and i went to the skin doctor he said look you know go see him you know back in those days they didn't have much money not that i have much today but um he said go see him i'll take care of the bill he's a friend of mine he'll see you for nothing okay So I go see this doctor, and he looks, and he goes, oh, it's this in here. Now let me give you a little cortisone. That'll take care of it. Well, you know, I did cortisone for my lungs. Uh, well, doc, I'm not sure I want to do that. He said, why? You need to get rid of that. I said, well, what about the fact that, you know, my, my body is detoxifying something, and the skin is the largest eliminative organ, and my body's letting this go? He said, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. They were his words to me. And I know how to get rid of it. Here, just put this cream on it. It's like, thanks, I'll pass. Oh, yeah. That goes, I mean, this is, it was a little bit on the embarrassing side. It brought up embarrassment for me because I was starting to travel and, you know, I don't know, for a period of almost two years, I had these red running sores on my cheeks. Wow. Like, as, I mean, bright red silver dollars on my cheeks. And I'm starting to travel around the country and teach. And then, over the time that it took for that to clear up for me, my lungs today, I mean, you've heard me talk about that recently, COVID was a major healing for my lungs. It's time on like next level. But, you know, over the years, and I'm talking over decades, my lungs have become less and less and less of a trauma for me. At 25, you know, they were on the, the verge of killing me. And today... Um, like a wheeze that's been in my lungs since I was born is not there anymore since COVID, you know, two years ago. Yeah, so that's amazing. my invitation would be to be with willingness. Look at, remember that there are several different types of foods. There are lubricators, oils and fats. There are builders, proteins. There are congestors, things like milk and white flour and sugar and those sorts of things. And then there are eliminators. Eliminators are the foods that enhance elimination. And basically, they're things like fresh fruit and vegetables. Now, banana is more right. a congester. You know, an avocado is a lubricator. It's an oil. But eliminators, apples are one of the best. And, you know, we had talked about and you said recently that you uh, had heard my words about maybe doing a colon detox and that you did one. And I'd say that's probably part of the, the reason why your body's able to start releasing this. So my, well, my highest... Right. 
and and now you're ready maybe you're ready to go to the next level you know how long have you been carrying around whatever it is that your body's now eliminating you know let, let let's use a comparison of something strictly mechanical not that the body's strictly mechanical but there's certainly an, a mechanical aspect to it let's imagine that i've got a septic system out in my backyard and it's now a mess it's leaking it's it's just a tragedy like who stink and everything else and I call in the plumber and the plumber says okay I can see what the problem is now I've got two solutions one of them is is not going to be fun it's going to cost money I'm going to, have to dig up your whole backyard it's going to take time and money and and that's what we're going to have to do so we can do that or I have another solution you know the outlet from your your uh, house of all your toilets and your uh, your showers and sinks and such there's a four inch pipe there and it's very cheap you know I can do this for almost nothing and you won't have to put up with any mess out there or anything I can put a four inch cork in that pipe and I can stop that seepage into your backyard today it's like well hey sounds like ease to me so I put in the four inch the four inch cork and the pipes plugged and oh, all the sewage in my backyard dries, dries out but then what happens I get to deal with it in my house right my toilets start to back up my sinks start to back up my shower mm. starts to back up mm. so the other solution you have to dig up the whole backyard it's going to be a mess you have to take the lid off and <laughs> I can remember being a kid I was probably seven or eight when the septic system went bad in our house and my dad dug it up and I helped him dig it out <laughs> I can remember that bro you know it's messy healing is messy yeah. the other way symptom suppression is clean and fast and easy but but while things look better symptomatically they're not a solution they're just prolonging the problem which the long and the longer it takes to deal with the problem the more messy the solution is going to be I don't know how what the components are of this thing that your structure is going through but if you've answered all four of those questions yes which you did then my offering would be it sounds like it's a, your body cleaning up what it needs to clean up step into willingness go into an limited diet make sure you drink lots of water stay away from the congestors and let it move I mean it's not as if it's anything threatening I understand it's uncomfortable but uh, you know I, I don't know how many years of discomfort genetically or in your experience of your life your body's ready to process out I know that these two red running sores on my cheeks took about two years for me for that Wow. Wow. Well, I love so I don't know. I mean, this might be done in a week, and it might might take six months. I don't know. Uh, again, yeah. you have the option of putting the four-inch cork in. You know, you can take the cream and <laughs> put it on it and shut that limiter no, channel down. That. But but <laughs> right. the structure is going to try to find some other limiter channel to to eliminate it. Yeah. So if you shift into assisting the elimination. Looking up and dealing with the limited foods, apples are one of the best because the pectin in it helps soften things in the colon. Yeah. One of the things that in naturopathic medicine, they, the uh, thesis at least is that every uh, centimeter of the colon reflects as a, a space on your skin. And so this may be 
uh, your colon doing another level of healing from that cleanse that you did, and your body's now ready to let go of this. Wow. So I know there are two two perspectives. We can take the the um, symptom suppression route, which is called healthcare in our culture, and you know what a mess that's in. Or we can mm-hmm. take the healing route, which means I have to deal with what I have to deal with. Right. Even if, especially if it's unpleasant. And the the more I can soften my tissue structure, the more willingness I'm in, the more I breathe, the more I utilize eliminative thoughts and eliminative foods, eliminative mm-hmm. liquids, the faster it's going to move. Well, I've been good in all the ways I can control, which is the physical eating, drinking. I've been good. That isn't to awesome. say that on Sundays, Sundays in Lent, you're allowed to have a treat. But I don't think this is anywhere near like a little honey in my yogurt or something. I don't no. think that. Oh, we're, that we're on thing. vacation. We're on vacation yeah. this week <laughs> with family. So I've been treating myself. I've been eating things I just don't ever eat. But, yeah. Oh well. But the thought I, I bless it. In I'm, fact, yesterday when I did some of that, I just blessed it and ate it. <laughs> I'm gonna eat it. Yeah, good. Blessed it. <laughs> good, good, good. Ah, yeah. So Jeannie said something that she thought wouldn't be appropriate on the radio show, but I don't know why not. She asked me if I had been vaccinated, which I have. And I know a lot of people don't for various reasons. I do know that my nutritionist discovered or heard that the base material in which they put the, the vaccination antidote has caused rashes in some people. And so Jean was asking, yes. could it have been the vaccination? Well, I've had... You know, three or four, I've had boosters and everything, and I never had this problem until I had COVID. But um, so I do think it's the COVID, post-COVID. Otherwise, I would take that into account. In fact, my nutritionist is the one that put me on bioidentical hormones, and they have at their base the the same stuff that the vaccine is in, the same base. So she mm-hmm. had to switch that, and she said, I'm going to change the base just to make sure that you're not continually taking something that's offending. And um, that, that hasn't made any difference. It's My hormones are now in some kind of a gel stuff instead of a more chewy type of thing. Jeannie might be interested right. because if she had any skin problems, it could be caused by that base, which is the same base as the vaccines. It's a, it's, it's not the vaccine itself. It's just how it's delivered. Right. But, um, <clears throat> and so basically, anyway, uh, you know, if, if someone has a, a rash in response to a vaccine or anything else, the body's saying, this is my largest eliminative organ and I'm going to use it. It's the way the body's going to let loose of things. So it's not a bad thing. If there's something toxic the body needs to handle, it's going to take the shortest pathway it's got. Yeah. Well, I'm just fascinated because rash has gone away for the most part, but then it'll show up maybe on my chest or on my back, and then it'll go away. And I was telling Jeannie 
that when I, like I've done experiments, my my shins and calves used to itch, and I'd have a big go at scratching. They stopped itching, and I thought, I wonder if I scratched them, whether they would itch again. And they do. You can sort of invite the itch to come back to an area yes. that had gone away from. This is the weirdest thing. Well, my offering would be that if that itch disappeared, you know, the, the itch is a signal that there's an energy there that the body says, I don't like this. I'm trying to get rid of it. That may be part and parcel of what your rash is about and your body's processing, that it's become vital enough, you know, at, at uh, a point where you, you know, remember we've talked about the vitality meter. It goes from 1 to 10. If you're at a level 5 vitality, you've got a level 7 toxin. The body is not going to yield that level 7 toxin up because it doesn't have the vitality to deal with it. And if you let a level 7 toxin go in a body that's a level 5, it could be fatal, literally fatal. And so mm-hmm. as you're, it makes sense to me that as you're building your vitality, you're getting stronger. Whatever the, the irritating energy was in the shins, your body is being able to process and let it go. And oftentimes when that happens, and again, I speak from experience with my cheeks and I've had other things like that, the, um, the eliminative organ of the skin becomes the most convenient way to let it be released. And it's not a bad or terrible thing. I remember uh, we had a fellow at Heart, that came to Heartland back about uh, 20 years ago, more than that, 30 years ago, right back in the early, early days. And he had eczema and, I mean, he had... He was probably in his early 30s somewhere, and he had crusted skin that was just like really nasty looking. That's all I can say is nasty. And it was very uncomfortable for him. And he'd done all the treatments and all the, all the, all the everything. Over the two years that he was at Heartland, and we did a, you know, it was mostly a fresh and raw diet. We did really, we were clean with food, did a lot of forgiveness work, a lot of breathing. And when he completed his two years at Heartland, his eczema was gone. Now, he dealt with it for years, and it was gone. And actually, I talked to him about, uh, oh, it's probably two years ago now that I was saying hello to him. And he was telling me, you know, that his eczema was still gone. It never came back. Eczema is just the body saying, there's something I need to deal with here. If you're doing sugar and if you're doing junk food and if you're doing white flour and if you're doing, you know, all the, you know, food that isn't food, stuff grown on dead, devitalized dirt, your body can't ever get the vitality that it needs to process through those things. And most people, you know, I mean, if you tell people their food is built on, is grown in dirt instead of soil, the average person who doesn't have the brain cells to know what that means will look at you and go, what the hell are you talking about? What's the difference? Well, deterrence can be life and death. So, but most people would, aren't educated enough to understand that. So you clean up the diet and you do your work. And did this man do some kind of magical work that I'm not doing? Or am I just doing the work and this is going to be how it shows up and it'll go away in due time? You're in process. That would be my take. That would be my offering is you're in process. The more willingness you are, the more you can cooperate with it. 
the faster mm-hmm. that limiter channel is going to open up. And the faster the channels that would normally handle whatever that is will heal and assist in cleaning it out. Now, if, if that were going on for me, I would do another colon cleanse. Knowing that the skin reflexes the colon, and if the colon is not effectively handling what needs to be released, then the skin is a secondary organ to help that detox to take place. I didn't get the sense that that colon cleanse did a darn thing. It was a long, gentle, month-long regimen of pills morning and night. Right. Um, is there is there some, would I know, how would I know if it was good? I mean, I don't well, you have might a problem see a change that in I know your bowel movements. You um, might see a change in your really bowel movements. You might see... I mean, right down to, I mean, there's a whole science of, of studying mm-hmm. uh, bowel movements, like the, the difference between a bowel movement that sinks to the bottom of the toilet and the bowel movement that floats. The bowel movement, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, for, forgive the, the, the French, but uh, we have a saying in our culture about that's really heavy shit. And that means it's <laughs> yeah. toxic. And that means it's toxic. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a, a meaning behind that. <laughs> And yeah. so, you know, a, a healthy bowel movement from a healthy bowel, and those, and they'll float. Mm-hmm. Not polite conversation in our culture, but it's necessary conversation to people have, for people to have some understanding. What I would suggest you do is, uh, is that you jump on Amazon or wherever you buy books and look for a book called Tissue Cleansing Through Bowel Management by a man yeah. named Bernard Jensen. And he goes through the whole function of the bowel, and he gives about seven different levels of detox or cleanse for the bowel from a you know a simple you know herbal one like the one you did to several that are more intense right up to it's almost a full time job for a week to do the Kalima program Wow. Say the title again, Michael. I'm sorry. You've told me this before. Tissue but... cleansing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Through Bowel Management by Bernard okay. Jensen, D.C. Now, he's got pictures okay. in there. Okay. Yeah. The, okay. The, uh, the record for a colon, you know, colon's maybe an inch in diameter, supposed to be. Mm-hmm. The record of someone on autopsy of the colon was 11 inches in diameter. Wow. Think about that and weighed 70 70 pounds. Good grief. He's got pictures in that book of pieces of waste from people's colons, six, eight, ten feet long, that are dark, black, like a piece of rubber tire that you'd see on the side of the road. That's oh what some God. people are carrying around in their colons. Wow. Now, mucus has two purposes in the body. One, it's a liquidy, uh, runny substance that's designed to lubricate. And two, it's a trap for toxicity. And when toxicity comes into the structure, that mucus thickens and creates a protective layer. 
particularly inside the colon. If someone isn't eliminating properly, then that protective layer tends to thicken and harden. You know, if you've ever blown your nose in a Kleenex, and boy, you got a full Kleenex and you set it down and you forgot about it and you came back the next day and you went, well, where did all that go? It's dehydrated and gone down to almost nothing. Well, you get somebody who's done decades of putting layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of thickened mucus in the colon, and you end up with a black rubber-like substance, like rubber tire substance. And it needs to be cleaned out in order for the colon to function effectively. The uh, the gentleman who, you know, the, the ultimate and the extreme colon cleanse that um, uh, Bernard Jensen talks about, and that's what I was doing when I got these sores on my cheeks. It's called a colema. And it was invented by a man named V.E. Irons, who about 30 years ago, about that same time, I was on a platform with him. I was on the road teaching and, and was uh, keynoting at a conference that he was also keynoting at. And um, V.E. Irons was 82 years of age the day he got up on the platform that I was there in the audience as a speaker and, and participant in the conference. And he had his wife come up and introduced his baby, who was two. I don't know if the Irons is still around. That's probably 30 years ago. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if he is. I haven't looked wow. for him lately. But at 82, he had a newborn. <laughs> so he was wow. you know, relatively vital. And, you know, I mean, spry and up there like, you know, as youthful as anybody that was on the stage that, that weekend. So he invented this process called the Kalima, which is just about a seven-day full-time job to really do a deep cleanse of the colon. So what Jensen's written about is everything from the simple to the more intense colon pro cleansing process. He lays it all out in the book, tells you where to get it. And, you know, Irons came up with certain herbs that uh, that helped to soften the... Uh, the hardened wastes in the colon, and uh, assist in elimination. So he gives several things, you know, levels of here's what you can do. I would say that would be a worthwhile book for you to read. Oh. Well, I can tell you right now I don't want to read it, Michael, but I'll think about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's what I see. I don't want to like know the real pain. answer to the question I'm asking. Say it again. No, it sounds like a total pain in the ass. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I mean, I know. Uh, right. Well, I had an uncle. I'm having a trigger. I had an uncle who recommended coffee enemas all the time. Oh, yes. And uh, do you know about them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Been there, uh, done that. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, and, that, um, and, and the reason for a coffee enema is that the coffee, while it's toxic if it goes in your mouth, if you use it in the rectum, it stimulates the liver to uh, flush and cleanse and gets toxicity out of the liver. And the liver is like the, the core chemical factory of the whole body. It, it has to detox every toxin that comes in. And, you know, the ultimate extreme of... Uh, liver detox or liver disease is things like cirrhosis, 
which, you know, somebody who's been doing alcohol for 30 or 40 years does, or actually today, today they are finding children at 7, 8, 9, and 10 years of age that have livers that look exactly like the 70-year-old alcoholic looks. And guess what they've been doing? They haven't been touching alcohol. They've been eating and drinking foods and drinks with fructose, fruit juice. Right. And so, you know, for someone who's in that state, a coffee enema might just be a godsend because it does stimulate the liver to clean out what it's accumulated and it has trouble getting rid of. So it's a direct stimulant to the liver and that's the purpose of it. So I understand your your uncle promoting it. If uh, if he had a toxic liver and did it, he experienced some monumental health benefits. Well, I guess he did. He lived to a good old age. Uh I won't go into a very interesting character, put it this way. <laughs> really? So I associated interesting characterness with this particular thing that he said we should do. So I, I've got a separate... Well, aren't we all interesting characters? I know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thanks for the for the... Input. I mean, it's encouraging just to hear because I have been doing things right. I should do. I did that one cleanse. I don't want to really ever do another one, but I'll think about it. The best I can tell you right now. Well, your body is doing a cleanse without your conscious participation. That's what you're doing. That's what's happening with skin. Your body's saying yeah. this is the easiest and the best path, best pathway I have because the other pathways that would normally handle this are blocked. So you can leave them blocked and, you know, ignore them and your body will do the best it can do to clean things up that way. Or you can step into willingness and look at what you can do to take the pressure off of, you know, it's like the skin is a fallback eliminative organ and you can take the pressure off of it by cleaning up the parts of your structure that are restricted in elimination that call for the use of that backup. Or, you know, again, there's always the, we can put a plug in it and stop it. So it's gone away. Sooner or later, you know, it's going to back up in the system and you're going to have to deal with it some way. But, you know, when when you think in terms of energy, say again, the fact that the COVID vaccine inspired this um, it confuses or muddies the waters a little bit because I wasn't getting a rash and I had all those things, you know, doing my work, elimination good, diet good. Um, I had the, I had COVID and then got this. It made me think that it's going to run its course because this is a COVID thing. And it may well be. It may well be, but you can assist it. Okay. Again, you know, if I'm if I'm going to have uh, you know a, uh, a a group of twenty extra people come and live in my house, I might go put a, an extra septic tank in because that way <laughs> okay. it's not going to get overloaded. 
Yeah. And if a visitor has come to stay, whether it's COVID or the COVID vaccine, which, you know, there might be something in the COVID vaccine that you're simply allergic to and your body's dealing with the allergy, the, the waste product from that allergy, protecting itself. Mm-hmm. It may be something in the, the vaccine itself that just doesn't really work in your body. And so your body's working to eliminate it. And you can cooperate with it. You could ignore it or you can suppress it. Mm-hmm. I'm actually in the middle of uh, working on an article on uh, on becoming your own primary health care provider and what are some of the things we need. This is one of the things, but what are some of the things we need to understand in order to know in, in a world where, like I was just reading recently, that uh, uh, in America, treatment in America costs about 250,000 lives a year. That's like a, you know, an AMA statistic. And this doesn't show up. This only shows up when the medical profession starts to police itself and do some research, and that's where the research is coming from. Otherwise, it doesn't right. show up in the hospital reports that this person died of treatment. It shows that you know, they had the ABC disease or what have you. And in yeah. a world where that's happening, and the the figures in this particular article I was looking at said that they, you know, that's treatment via hospitals, and that they suspected a, a similar number, although they don't have a specific research on it, a similar number outside of the hospitals die of treatment. So about a half a million people a year in America. And in a world where that's, so it would seem like we'd each need to have some level of understanding of when treatment is appropriate and what treatment is appropriate and what to do to support our way through it. It seems like that would be a, a reasonable thing to do, but most people don't have the awareness to be their own primary health care provider. So they're at the mercy of, uh, in, in some cases, I mean, there are some phenomenal um, researchers and some just absolutely amazing technology and work being done and there's a lot of damage done we have to have the brain cells to know for ourselves you know do I need a court care yeah. or do I want to go through the process yeah So I appreciate the questions because I think everybody listening will probably benefit from that. That's a, an understanding and a depth that we don't usually go to and that uh, most people need to know but and never know when that understanding is going to come in handy. Yeah. Well, thanks. You know a lot. I mean, I asked Tim Hayes about it. He said, talk to Michael. <laughs> Michael's the one. He can give some input on this. I'll add something on on VE Irons. I just looked him up. I put a link in today's show, too. And it says um, he started his second family at the age of 72 and fathered his last child at the age of 80. He enjoyed horseback riding well into his 90s. Sadly, he passed away due to a car accident in 1993 at the age of 98. And if it had not been for the car accident, he would surely still be with us today. Yeah, I wow. believe it. I mean, he was, you know, there were a variety. There were, I don't know, at that conference, maybe 20 different speakers. 
and he was probably by far the the most aged one of the group, and he was one of the most vital. You know, and he would just proudly step up, stood up there, and this two-year-old child um, to the audience introduced his child and his wife, who was a looker, <laughs> and he was eighty. I mean, I don't remember what age she was, but she was nowhere near eighty. Of course, having a baby. So I was not aware of it. Thank you for doing that research. It's something I'd never really looked at. But, uh, I mean, I never knew him. We, you know, we were introduced, but that was the extent of it to that conference. But, uh, but yeah, I would believe if it weren't for the car accident at 98, he'd probably still be rocking on. So he's the one who invented, if you read, um, the tissue cleansing, Bernard Jensen's book. Bernard Jensen goes into great detail. That's the ultimate cleanse that he presents in that book, Tissue Cleansing. So any other thoughts for you, young lady? No, that's wonderful, though. Thanks so much for all that input and encouragement. I feel encouraged. I'll keep up the good stuff and let this yeah, go for it. Willingness. Yeah. Willingness itself. is the biggest key. Cosmic grace. All right, we well, have a blessed one. Tell them we said hello. You too. All righty, lots of love. Take care. Bye bye. All right, Miss Jeannie. Let's see, we've got about 13 minutes or so. Yep, if you're and we have no handbook. Well, then who has something to share with us? What's on your mind? If you're on one of those stations where we can't see you or call in numbers, 563-999-3581. If you have a question for us or comment, call that number, push one, and we'll be having a conversation. We'd love to say hello. What's okay, on your Ms. mind? Belinda How can we support her, you? Belinda put her hand back up. Area code 541, you're on the air. Hello, hello. Hey there, young lady. I so enjoyed your and Susan's conversation today right down my alley. Thank you so much. Cool. I just so appreciate Susan's, the questions she asked, and encourage her and have no fear. (laughs) There are lots of listeners out there that are probably thinking of the very same questions that she is courageous enough to ask. Yes. Now, um, you said you were going to write an article about being your own physical health or health care physician, or however you put it. I'm working on that. Well, well, no, just that you have to be your own primary health care provider. No, I mean, none of us can do all of the things that need to be done to be a healthcare, our own health care provider. But your own primary, you know, somebody goes to their primary care who says, hmm, I think you need to go to the ABC specialist. Well, if I'm the patient of that doctor, I should have enough knowledge of my body and my life to know if the ABC practitioner is the right place for me to go. And if I, oh, or at least to be able to question that and say, well, Doc, you know, I hear that, but, you know, I don't think that sounds quite right. I have to have enough knowledge of that. Otherwise, I'm at uh, the mercy of 
a profession that is in some ways so awesome and I mean the technology, the things, you know, heart transplants. You just think about a heart transplant. That's like amazing. But when you think the treatment kills somewhere between a quarter and a half a million people a year in America and nobody talks about it except in private in the medical circles, that's pretty tragic. So having enough knowledge to be able to question and interact so that you know if if treatment is what's appropriate, you know, there's a big difference between treatment and healing. And healing is always appropriate. Treatment may or may not be. You need to have enough knowledge for yourself to know whether that treatment is appropriate for you. That's my take. Or at least that's the, well, the, that's the piece that I'm putting out to, uh, to, the, uh, to the world, saying this is something that's important. Well, that's a good clarification of what you were meaning by your statement, because I came to that conclusion about 40 years ago, and it has grown ever since. And my primary care physician is the physician within. And, yes, exactly. Uh, my biggest challenge is being willing to hear what that physician is saying to me clearly without putting my overlay on it. Um, exactly. And that's fine. That's my growing process, my growing edge. And that's what forgiveness uh, is about. Right. Exactly. Is removing the resistant voice <laughs> to the guidance that will tell you exactly what you need to do. You know, it's interesting. You know, there's a whole field, <clears throat> pardon me, called biofeedback. And biofeedback is basically a machine that they hook up to your body to tell you what your body's trying to tell you. You have that. When you think about that, that's pretty ridiculous. Here we are. We have a whole field of specialty that sells you a machine to tell you what your body's been trying to tell you for decades. And then people go, oh, I'm hooked up to a machine. Maybe I should listen to this. Because they've shut down the physician within. I mean, that's crazy, but that's, that's what it is. Yep. Yep. And, um, I, uh, Larry and I both, that's how we work our lives. I'm interested in the uh, limited of foods and the uh, congestive foods. I know about bananas. Um, I don't know about the oils. I tend to, I seem to need more oils than some people, more fats, you know, the mix of fat, protein, and carbs. I've sort of um, intuited and still am open to more intuition. Apples are my favorite fruit, so that was a bingo for me. And um, can one do a cleanse simply with fruits and herbs and vegetables uh, is another thing. I'm not... The VE... Pardon? The VE Irons Program... He has a a couple of different herbal supplements that he specifically put together to go into the the lining, the um, artificial lining of dried mucus in the colon to soften that and open it. I mean, again, it's like a piece of, if you you, you stopped at the side of the road and a piece of tire came off that truck, that's what comes out of people's colons. 
And so he's got herbal uh, supplements that help to soften that lining and remove it. I have uh, done some of the herbal, like senna and stuff like that, and they're too harsh for my system. I tend to have a very sensitive system. Yeah, senna can be pretty hard. So I'm hoping that, yeah, I just, um, dandelion. Senna can be dangerous. Pardon? Senna can be dangerous because it overstimulates the colon. But dandelion and chicory and uh, milk thistle and things like that uh, seem to attract me much more. And I'll be Mm -hmm. very blunt, um, Michael, um, not blunt, but very open in saying that, as I've mentioned before, we're on a limited budget. And my whole passion is to find out how nature would heal me not how some yes. formula or some laboratory concocted vitamin or mineral or something taken out of its original context and put in a pill. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've yeah. spent years doing that sort of stuff, and to me they're just a dead end mm-hmm. for my body. I'm only speaking for myself yeah. now. So if there Again, is this, uh, the inner guidance, I think, is the biggest key, inner guidance. Yeah. And so if there's a program that's mostly um, foods, you know, I'm down to the point now where my foods are as unprocessed as possible. Uh, my nice. body, my sense is that the avocados are um, good for me. And well, the best fats there is. Pardon? It is one of the best fats that there is. Yeah. Avocado and olive olive oil. And it's it's important to um to look at labels. If you've got an oil in a food other than olive oil, it probably shouldn't go in your body. And I mean virtually everything is just loaded with all kinds of vegetable oils and if you do some research, the rise in heart disease was totally and completely in alignment with the rise in the use of vegetable oils. And so and and in buying Pardon me? I don't use those. I, yeah. Uh, I well, I, and I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm suggesting people read the label. I'm suggesting that people read labels because when you buy that, you know, chickpea uh, snack, you know, crunchy snack, you'll see that the second ingredient is canola oil or safflower oil, and they're things that just don't belong in the human body. And as far as olive oil goes, there's more money. Now, I don't know if this is true now, but this 10 years ago, and research showed that there was more money being made by selling fake olive oil in America than cocaine dealers were making. Well, I knew about the fake olive oil. And so uh, one of my big um, adaptations is I'm going more and more to the original food and less and less to the oil. Exactly. And yes. I don't have the only canned thing I may have in my house uh, because Larry eats meat. I don't eat meat anymore uh, except if my body says eat this piece of meat. I'm going to eat the piece of meat. Right. But no. um, I listen to that. But I don't have the. Um, and of course, with my history of bulimia, I really watch the cravings. 
I watch right. how they are. And I can eat a, a very green banana. If I eat a green banana, I think they call them a prebiotic or something like that. Once mm-hmm. in a while, I'm fine. But it right. is a congester, I know right away. So I yeah. make sure that that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I'm just ready to go on to the next level, um, and I'm willing to look at a formula if, one, I can make it from the original foods, um, and, two, because of the cost factor, both. Sure. Yeah. Well, it probably would be worth looking at uh, and, and giving a reading of um, Bernard Jensen's book on tissue cleansing. That would probably be a – it's a very <laughs> uh, well-written and – Deeply informative book. And was that intestinal cleansing or tissue cleansing? It's called Tissue Cleansing Through Bowel Management. Okay. Yeah, I have. So it's, it's understanding how the bowel, work, bowel works to clean tissue throughout the whole body. But that's the key element of organ. Well, Larry has um, just been declared, uh, made a new record at 82 last summer for his age group in the senior games of Oregon and had That's an awesome. invitation. Yeah, and had an invitation to go to the national senior games this year, but um he's not interested in Erie, Pennsylvania, so <laughs> we'll pass. Apparently they're supposed to be in Spokane soon. So we'll see what happens with that. He turns eighty three uh, next month. Awesome. And, Guess where uh, we're staying on Friday night. Erie, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) Our son is flying out of there, so we leave our timeshare Friday morning and take him. We're going to spend the night with uh, with he and his wife and uh, Kaylee Joe for them to fly out, and then we'll drive back to Bristol. (laughs) Small world. (laughs) If he can get sponsors, you know, he can go farther. But um, he's and he's working on that. Diligently working on finding sponsors. Well, congratulations to both of you. We're using the Avison, and you don't know um, how that was a big leap in faith because we're both pretty much anti-machine, anti-technological. Right. We just say, hey, that's not working the way nature works. I think I'll go another direction. So we'll right. see how this machine works. We're using it an hour a day pretty much every day. Fabulous. Well, my, my take is that it is the most profound natural enhancement. You know, there's only one body hack in, uh, in the Avacyn, and the body hack is where the vacuum draws blood into your hands so they can be heated consistently. And other than that, right. it's all the body doing what it does naturally. So that's the only hack. The only thing that's changed from the natural processes of the body is just drawing the putting the hand in the machine creates a vacuum and where the heat exchanger in the palm of the hand would close if that vacuum weren't there and it wouldn't work so that's the only hack there is otherwise everything that's happening in the body is done by the body naturally and it's supported with heat that's that's it and it's the most amazing adjunct to health i know of and since I am a breath holder, dear sir, <laughs> I am Say thinking again? that since I am a breath holder, 
uh, I am, and I hold it on my in-breath. Um, I'm thinking uh, how um, that I need, uh, I don't need to do anything, but I could choose to be more aware of, consciously aware of my breathing while I'm using right. the Havis, right, as well as yes. the rest. That would be very helpful. The other thing I would suggest you might do is you might go back through the codependence intensive that you did and get the session or sessions where we did still point breathing and have that in hand and once a week or once every two weeks, play that, follow the instructions and go through the still point process. That's a major key in healing. So that would be a, a thing you could do that would enhance for you too. The the I I happen to have the same physical sensations or similar to what Susan does by breathing both with the mouth on the in breath and out breath open. I find that um, what helps me is to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth because where mm. I hold the breath is I don't let my out breath out. Yeah. Well, you might remember that uh, that um, old saying that says, I forget who it was that penned it, was get your bloated nothingness out of the way, and that bloated nothingness, the ego part of us, is the part that is, is a, a product of programming in spe- specifically in the brain. And when you breathe through the nose, it supplies lots of oxygen to the brain, so it keeps it in the loop. If you breathe through the mouth, there's not so much oxygen to the brain, so the brain has a little easier time shutting up and giving a space for a different energy process to happen. So I'd, you know, I'm not suggesting anybody breathe that way all the time or anything else, but it has a very specific purpose, and I have never seen anything that will take people into that state aside from that consistently. The habit so, pattern of breathing through the mouth I do at night when I'm asleep and I wake up with yeah. these incredible I'm dry You're throat. going to get cut off. Yeah. Okay. All right, young lady. We'll hold the space. You have a blessed one. Thanks for the input. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye-bye. Lots of love. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. 